Hello and welcome to the Carnage Report, where we bring the bring you the latest on all things horror related, keeping you up to date with news you can use. I'm Nick Spacek. And I'm Julie Holland. The Carnage Report is part of the Cinepunks podcast family. Go to Cinepunks.com to find entertainment news, reviews, and other great podcasts like Horror Business, Twitch of the Death Nerve, and Tomb of Ideas. If you want to help support Cinepunks and ultimately this show, you can become a Cinepunks Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash cinepunks. That is C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. Another great way to support us is to check out our sponsors, the first of which is Essex Coffee Roasters. Essex Coffee Roasters offers specialty-grade coffee roasted to order for the most fresh and delicious homebrewing experience. Essex is committed to accessible, quality coffees, offering education on coffee and brewing to all of their customers. Essex Coffee Roasters believes you don't have to be a coffee expert to enjoy a great cup of coffee. Right now, if you use code CINEPUNKS, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, you'll get 10% off. Also, check out Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations, the premier screen printer of the Lehigh Valley, but maybe also the world. Personable and professional, the only place where you get punk rock attitude with professional service and printing. You can find them online at xlvacx.com. Do not go to lvac.com. That is the Las Vegas Athletic Club. That's a whole different vibe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're into the setup. And today's getting to know you question is, what toy from your childhood would be the most terrifying if it were to come alive with bad intentions? I looked at this question and have been pondering it all morning. And <laughs> I, I I think like the, you know, like the easiest one would be like, because obviously um, I collected toys when I was younger and had like a massive amount of like spawn action figures. So I had uh, one of the from the original line, there was one called Malabolja, which is just basically a way for them to sell like a gigantic like Satan toy that's like a foot tall. Um, that would be the easy one. But also I had like various stuffed animals on my bed. And I think the one that would be the most terrifying is that I had one that was an armadillo. I had a stuffed armadillo as well. Where it's it's like almost like it's made out of wool. Like it just like it. So it's, you know. It's not like technically a fluffy toy. It's a stuffed toy, but it's not, it doesn't have any fur because it's an armadillo. Yeah. And I don't know why, but that just like the idea of like a wool armadillo, what, armadillos just weird me out in general. Um, but I feel like that would be the one that would just be the most, uh, I can't even explain it. Uh, it just the thought of it makes me very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> now I don't want to talk about it anymore. And I want to hear what yours would be. I have a couple of thoughts. I personally didn't have any of these. But, and I know that there have been many movies where they're not scary. But if you saw a Transformer in real, if I saw a Transformer in real life, I would lose my shit. I don't care what its intentions are. If my car, if a car turned into a robot person type thing in real life i'm out of here just that's it that's the end um another one i thought and this is sort of gets into critters territory is popples do you remember popples <laughs> yes. i mean those can do some damage they could trick you with their adorableness and then just roll up into a ball and roll out in mass and and really go after it critter style 
I, I did realize I did have like a collection of mad balls and I think those would also have been like, they're oh, fun to have like yeah. laying around, but I think of like those just like super great also gruesome faces just started talking and also their disembodied heads. Yeah. If popples and mad balls got together, <gasps> horrifying, absolutely horrifying. I think we just wrote a movie. <laughs> oh, God. Trademark. <laughs> oh, <sighs> So yeah, if anyone's working on real life Transformers, please stop and don't. My sister also had like an American Girl doll, and I feel like one of those moving around. I mean, like that's basically yeah. me anyway. But yeah, yeah, those things were creepy. I was also thinking of this doll I had that was supposed to skate. She had you know skates permanently mm-hmm. attached to her feet, and she was supposed to be able to skate, but she always just fell flat on her face. But if she could have really got it together, that could be a scary one too. Skating, like let's play with a gigantic yeah. butcher knife. Yes, tiny skating murder, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's uh, th- that will be Megan 2.0. Let's hope, yes, let's hope she better be on skates in the next one at some point. Oh, skates, rollerblades. I mean, like, yes, <laughs> I, I would, I would even accept Heelys. Yes, <laughs> oh, if you've got anything creepy, uh. From your childhood um that you don't want coming alive with bad intentions um let us know <laughs> like, yeah. the 80s and 90s were ripe for ter- terrifying toys so i'm sure i'm sure there's probably uh, like half a dozen i haven't even thought of and this is something i'd like the folks at like the purple stuff podcast like matt and jay i would love to hear their take on this whole thing i feel like they'd get deep and weird yeah <laughs> Now it's time for new nightmares. This is the roundup of trailers, new to streaming, coming soon to theaters, so on and so forth. And where do we start? We are starting with a new one coming to Shudder called From Black. Uh, From Black is about a young mother crushed by guilt after the disappearance of her young son five years previously. She's presented with a bizarre offer to learn the truth and set things right. But how far is she willing to go? And is she willing to pay the terrifying price for a chance to hold her boy again? If you lose a loved one and someone says, I know a way I, we can get them back. The, the answer is don't. It does not go well. And this trailer sets this up. This looks really good, by the way. And it stars Anna Camp. And I think I've already said I didn't watch True Blood. So most of you know her from True Blood. I know her from Pitch Perfect. So this is a big departure. But she looks beautiful in it. and. The bits that they show, she—I'm sure she does an amazing job. It looks amazing. Um, I—I I, I think they said it best in Pet Cemetery, and that sometimes dead is best. Yes, for sure. Although in this one, it doesn't necessarily look like the kid comes back, but it looks like maybe a demon accidentally gets in. Yeah, it looks it, really dark, really spooky. The the repeated bit—it's a ritual. Like yes. it's just, 
Yeah, just probably no with rituals, guys. Like bad idea, bad idea, jeans. Yeah. Um, that'll be on Shutter April twenty eighth, and I for one cannot wait. Looks so good. Very much so. I'm very excited for this one. I hadn't even heard of it until this popped up, and I was like, oh, oh, yeah. Uh, also coming to streaming uh, a week prior hitting Prime Video on April twenty first is the um, Morgan Creek adaptation of David Cronenberg's Dead Ringer, starring Rachel Weisz, um, in the role originally played by Jerry May Irons. Um, and uh, the summary is as follows: a modern take on David Cronenberg's nineteen eighty eight thriller, um, Dead Ringers, features Rachel Weisz in the double lead roles of Elliot and Beverly Mantle, twins who share everything: drugs, lovers, and an unapologetic desire to do whatever it takes, including pushing the boundaries of medical ethics in an effort to challenge antiquated practices and bring women's health care to the forefront um amazing cast um mm-hmm. just like all kinds of folks in this and it looks just as weird as the david cronenberg movie which is um saying something yeah and we i mean we talked about this because we had the teaser trailer <clears throat> excuse me but now this is the full trailer and it really gives you more of a feel for it and and the poster is here. I don't know if you've really taken a look at this poster. But it's got some very it's an eye, but it's also kind of a vagina there in the middle of it. <laughs> it's very uh Yodorowsky. Um yeah. <laughs> it's just like whoo, psychedelic. Um I mean it, there there's a lot of drug use in the original Ted Drinkers, so something to look forward to <laughs> something to look forward to yeah i'm looking forward to the like i think we still have prime so i'm i'm looking forward to checking this out cool 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 i just clicked the next thing and i realized when i went through this this morning i forgot to watch this trailer so i apologize i'm not going to tell you about it and i don't know how i missed this it has been a week you guys we're having a time uh so this is the clock and it comes out on hulu on april 28th and the synopsis, the film tells the story of a woman who enrolls in a clinical tri- trial to try and fix her seemingly broken biological clock after friends, family, and society pressures her to have children. Um, I do think I watched this trailer several days ago, but my memory sucks, so it's just not fresh for me. But it's a super interesting premise. Mm-hmm. I and, really uh, like it. Yeah, I I really like the uh, clinical trial sub sub genre <laughs> of things going wrong in a clinical trial ever since firestarter like i'm interested in the, you know and this has melora harden jan from the office so it's not to love <laughs> uh and i mean uh diana agron i mean mm-hmm. i think everybody who's seen shiva baby really enjoyed her performance but yeah no this uh it's i i like this as an it's an interesting concept uh it's a you know something that's been explored in different horror movies it's like oh i don't want to have children of course you want to have children and this is like literally like trying to medically get over like a thing like oh i don't have a biological clock it's like well let's kickstart it and like kickstarting anything biologically through experimentation never works out well and it has never worked out well in cinematic or horror history period yeah it's right up there with rituals just don't don't do it Uh, also i'm sorry the uh there there's a little bit more of the synopsis down here they kind of split it up in this article uh it says that 
her attempts to fix her biological clock appear to come with spiders, paranoia, and psychological terror. Now, the spiders, they're the real wild card here. And also a trailer that features a lot of like weird, like pitch shifted voices, like you want babies, don't you? Ooh. Just uh, a big fan of any trailer that just features one phrase like pitch shifted and just made very, very weird. Yeah, that is an effective technique for sure. Um, Coming to theaters April 21st um, is the film To Catch a Killer. Um, And they are leaning hard into comparing this to um, Silence of the Lambs (laughs) in that the uh, summary... (laughs) It starts out by saying, a modern-day Clarice Starling. Eleanor is a young police investigator wrestling with the demons of her past when she was recruited by the FBI's chief investigator to help profile and track the work of a disturbed individual. As the police and FBI launch a nationwide manhunt, they are thwarted at every turn by the individual's unprecedented behavior. Given her tortured psyche, Eleanor may be the only person who can understand the mind of their assailant and bring him to justice. This looks cool it does it does have um it does have silence of the lambs vibes um it also has ben mendelson you can't go you can't go wrong with him i have mixed feelings on shalene shalene woodley but uh you know looks pretty good it's pretty entertaining uh i appreciate like the idea like i'm a like i I always appreciate it when it's the oh they're are they just as crazy as the person they're trying to catch sort of thing where it's like you know where or or you know you start to get like are they the killer i mean you never know that's the fun part about movies like this will it be does it look like it will be like a knockout of the park no no looks like a fun hour and a half though to to bring it over to one of our favorite television programs, Riverdale. It kind of makes me think of how, how um, Betty is constantly worried that she has the serial killer gene, and that's why she's so good at tracking serial killers. Because exactly. it's genetic, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is how we figure out whether or not you're going to be a killer, is if you have various genetic markers and nothing else. Yep, that's it. That show's ridiculous. I love it so much. Okay, <laughs> moving on. There's never enough Amityville. And now we are getting a four-part docu-series, Amityville, an origin story, giving us a look at the house that started us all. Amityville, an origin story, tells the story behind the world's most infamous haunted house tale, the Amityville murders. Project is the first elevated look at every aspect of this wildly layered story about the heinous murder of a family of six that became eclipsed by paranormal controversy. I don't know how I feel about their use of the phrase, the first elevated look. I mean, I feel like if there haven't been other documentaries, there have at least been books. And if books aren't elevated, what what are? I don't know. It's just a weird way to put it. But it does look interesting, if maybe a little exploitative, as the Amityvilles can be. Um, This will be on MGM Plus April 23rd. I can't tell if they're dropping all of them at the same time. It's only four parts, so I probably so, but I don't know yet how MGM Plus does their stuff. Yeah, I I don't know about this. It's one of those things. They, I mean, there have been documentaries. There's one of the documentaries that follows like one of the the kids from the the Amityville horror and just like how 
that's fucked up his life basically but yeah the defeo murders are arguably like the the real sad part because i mean like literally like you don't nobody knows quite why that kid went nuts and killed his entire family but Mm -hmm. it's uh also been the subject of Amityville 2, um, but my favorite film in the franchise because it is it is sleazy. Oh, <clears throat> it's like an Italian like just horror sleaze. It's highly underrated. Um, but uh, I mean, I want to see this, but also I don't want to get another streamer. So um, same, same. I uh, since we have Sling, we have an MGM Plus channel on there, so I'm hoping maybe it pops up on that. I mean, I don't have to get the streaming service, but we'll see what happens. Because I believe this is what used to be Epics, Epics, Epics. Oh yeah, Epics. Yeah. Um. So it's it might be exclusive to the streamer, but time will tell. I don't know. Maybe they'll put enough good stuff on there. We won't be able to resist. <laughs> oh, this is me. <laughs> okay, uh, coming to select theaters and digital on April seventh uh, is the movie "You're Killing Me." Um. There's a very, very long summary for this. Uh, it is so long. Day, uh, a, a student at a prep school uh, goes missing, and one of uh, her classmates decides that she wants to get into an elite college and decides to go with her friend to a party uh, ran by the parents of one of her uh one of her classmates to get a thing discovers that the f- phone of someone at this party has evidence that links to the disappearance. Uh, then there's all kinds of cat and mouse stuff and uh, possible murder. And we've got Dermot Mulroney again. Podcast favorite. Dermot Podcast Mulroney. Favorite. And, uh, and Haish. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, I mean, it stars, um, McKaylee Miller, who I'm sure you've seen in things, um, if you are younger than us, um, mm-hmm. her face is very familiar. Uh, she was on that uh, sh- uh, she was. I know she popped up on Screen Queens, but I think she's probably known to most people as starring uh, as being on uh, the Heart of Dixie with um, Rachel um, Bilson, a CW show. She is a very she has a very CW face. Yes, very. Uh, but it, that this looks it looks it looks entertaining. Like I'm a big fan of mm-hmm. uh, you know, like people discover evidence and then the people find out they have evidence and then you know it's very green room. You know, mm-hmm. it looks also very rich people. They're not like us. They're evil, which mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of lately. But I can't get enough, so bring it on. Yeah, I mean, like it's very easy to root for. You know, it's like oh, you're just murdering uh, rich assholes. Cool, down. Like, yeah. well, what's the motivation? Don't care they're rich and they're assholes perfect agreed (laughs) yeah this looks fun i can't wait to see this and up next something else that looks really fun is summoning sylvia it's an lgbtq horror comedy it is the tale of larry who has been kidnapped by his three best friends for a bachelor weekend getaway at a haunted house as they sashay through the dusty corridors the comrades recount the house's legend from a hundred years ago a murderous woman named Sylvia slaughtered her son and buried him beneath the floorboards. But when Larry remembers that he was supposed to spend the weekend bonding with Harrison, his mysterious future brother-in-law, horrified at his oversight, Larry invites the army-uniformed hetero Harrison to join his gaggles gaycation, neglecting to run it by his friends. 
Later, as they hold up a high spirit, they hold a high spirited seance to summon the sinister Sylvia. The group ends up welcoming more house guests than they bargained for. Not only is that another long synopsis, but the alliteration throughout <laughs> is really something. It should be an award. <laughs> I think this like I feel like every trailer that we're covering on this particular episode just like it it looks neither, you know, like great nor terrible, but they all look like they're fun and going to be like mm-hmm. a good time. Like it might not change your life, but like definitely it's a really great way to spend 90 minutes. Um and this one in particular, I'm a I'm a sucker i think we're both suckers for horror comedy and this looks yeah. like it leans hard into it but like in a different way like i'm a big like i'm a sucker for the like horror comedies where it's funny but actually also kind of scary yeah yeah and it does look like it has some scares and it almost looks like so how the scary movie franchise was like the black take on horror this looks like sort of that but the gay take mm-hmm so I'm into that. This is on VOD April 7th, which is real soon. So I guess we can rent it. I don't, it doesn't look like it's headed straight, straight to a particular streamer, but it'll be out there. Uh, out now, actually, I believe, um, is the XYZ film, uh, The Resurrection of Charles Manson, starring the one and only Frank Grillo um, in the film. A couple goes to the desert for a romantic weekend and shoot an audition for a role in an upcoming film. Their holiday quickly turns deadly as they are the target of a cult who carry on the evil beliefs and murderous practices of the Manson family. This cult believes they can resurrect the ultimate object of their obsession, Charles Manson himself, through a shocking ritual of human sacrifice. You know, much like more Amityville, I'm not sure we need more Charles Manson. Yes, this looks all right somewhat interesting it looks very it has it 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 has um rob zombie knockoff vibes oh yeah yeah like where it's one of those where it's it's like lots of like in terms of actually being scary (laughs) yeah um it's directed by frank grillo's i'm assuming brother remy um Mm -hmm. I don't know. Prove me wrong, but like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done with that particular genre of just like crazy people in a desert. Yeah, for sure. Now we're gonna head into a little, uh, I guess, a shark corner. <laughs> um, so I guess you know we got cocaine bear. One can start to assume that there will be other cocaine knockoffs. So cocaine shark is coming it's not here there's no release date info this this looks really bad but i felt like it was worth talking about the trailer really kind of looks like it's trying to be comic booky there's lots of kind of kapow visual transitions between the scenes um the director is mark polonia and the synopsis is a mafia drug lord has unleashed a new highly addictive stimulants on the street stimulant on the streets called HT25 derived from sharks held captive in a secret lab and which causes monstrous side effects after an explosion and a leak at the lab an army of mutated bloodthirsty sharks and other creatures are set loose on the world you know another thing to always be aware of in movies is a secret lab <laughs> 
I am so like uh, Mark Polonia has been making movies for years. He and his brother John, perhaps best known for uh, the two feeders films, as well as the SOV classic Splatter Farm. Um, it I have a feeling this is a movie that got its title after Cocaine Bear did really well. Like I think this is probably yeah. just something Shark. Um, before that, but uh, I do appreciate the fact that all of the creatures in this are stop motion uh yeah uh, it uh that lends a a, a certain handmade charm <laughs> to the uh really terrible cgi explosions yeah. uh, and it is a mark polonia movie so if it pops up on tubi as it is most likely going to do um i i will i will check it out yeah it it's not gonna make anybody's top list but it'll probably be pretty hilarious to watch ever popular it's like well yeah but like the special effects are kind of cute <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and concluding our roundup uh and also bookending uh the other side of shark corner is um <laughs> in in the biggest news we could possibly end with uh tommy wiseau um is returning with his first feature uh in almost 20 years uh and it is entitled big shark the official mm-hmm. plot synopsis is three firefighters, George, Patrick, and Tim, must save New Orleans from a gigantic shark. Can New Orleans survive? I I, <laughs> I don't know. Like, um hard to say. <laughs> it's it's got a lot of boxing in the teaser and also a bunch of like CGI shark attacks going through the streets of New Orleans, which I'm only assuming is some sort of flood. Um mm-hmm. I feel like trying to sum up the plot or figure out a plot to a Tommy Wiseau movie is probably um, madness. Yeah. And so there's a the little trailer and then is it an underwear commercial? Is Tommy <laughs> making underwear? Is that real? What's happening? Yeah, it's, it's like funny. a Calvin Klein style underwear is what they say on them. You you get it's a two minute long video and like half of it is the trailer. And then it's just like, why is there still a minute left? And then it's just like. Oh, underpants. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Listen, he's an art. He's an artist, and I am not going to question what he does, mainly because I don't think I'd understand the answer anyway. <laughs> All we can do is let it happen to us. <laughs> Just sit back, relax. Uh, if you've got, if you live uh, in New Orleans, uh, there will be um, two nights, April twenty eighth and 29th. Uh, at the Britannia Theaters at Canal Place in New Orleans, uh, the Balboa Theater in San Francisco, California, May 5th and 6th, um, and so on and so forth. You can find out stuff. I assume this will probably um, show up somewhere. Uh, if you think the trailer sounds terrible, you wait till you see the poster. <laughs> yeah. And and I don't understand this long, slow rollout over the summer at several theaters across the country through August for some reason. Okay. Have fun. Go see it. Yeah. Let us report back if you live there. <laughs> yeah. As Fangoria says, be part of history. <laughs> I view him as a little brother. So you literally grew up with somebody like you grew up with them in the family. It's showtime. It's kind of interesting to have done the voice of something that is actually a bigger star than you are. 
the slasher genre was ready for a burst of new blood and Chucky supplied that in spades. It was a new kind of horror figure. Those movies were about the villain. Many movies later and now a television series. If you got asked to do a Chucky movie, you can't really say no. I was thrilled to be injured and throw acid in my face even better. I just had a ball. You can ask your dad. Your dad is always, always in the corner on the floor. We're the ones bringing him to life. And you have to really find a collective mindset to make the character work. I set out to meet all these people surrounding the franchise whose names had been a big part of my childhood, but I never had the chance to meet. You know, all of us were like a, a family. So there is very much a wonderful familial flavor to it. <laughs> to be a part of something that so many people love, is really surreal. For such a large group of people to be invested in a story that has been told for over 30 years, and to be a part of that is truly special. I am Chucky, the killer doll, and I dig it! <laughs> okay, now it's time for our feature presentation. And for this episode, we watched Living with Chucky, Directed by Kira Elise Gardner. Tell us about it, Nick. An in-depth look at the groundbreaking Child's Play franchise from the perspective of a filmmaker who grew up within it, featuring interviews with cast and crew such as Brad Dorif, Jennifer Tilly, Alex Vincent, creator Dan Don Mancini, and much more. This personal film rec recounts the dedication, creativity, and sacrifice that went into making the franchise and its long-lasting impact on the horror community. Um, now, I know that you are a huge Child's Play franchise fan, uh, and I am but a dilettante, so I am curious as to your perspective on this. Um, I loved this. I am a huge uh, Child's Play slash Chucky fan, and it this was a really great look behind the scenes, and and even more so, you know, there's you get to see a bit of kind of the puppeteering that goes into Chucky, which is kind of one of the things that makes Chucky so special, is that it he is a puppet throughout. He is, you know, they're always refining based on the technology that they have. Uh, I didn't realize he was usually run by up to six people or more, which is bananas that you can get six people on the page for just this tiny little guy doing this evil stuff. It's amazing. But also just the chats with the people involved and their relationships with each other. Because a lot of the people involved have been involved with every single one in the franchise, which is not something you see a lot. Um, and so they're all really friends and their children have grown up, you know, um, Kira Elise Gardner is the son of Tony, the daughter of Tony Gardner, who handled the effects, I think, from from C no, from the third one on, I think. And uh so she was there as a little kid, you know, kind of being around it. And the same with Fiona. Dorif, Brad Dorif's daughter, who ends up starring in Curse and Cult, which is just, it's just really fun. And they interview them together and their father-daughter relationship is so sweet. I love it so much. And I was just like, this is such a delightful documentary. It, it kind of gave me a new appreciation for maybe, you know, okay, I'll just say Seed. Seed of Chucky <laughs> probably was my least favorite, but it, it made me want to go back and kind of look at it from a new perspective including that i did not realize 
that Lord of the Rings, Billy Boyd was the voice of Glenn and Glinda. I had no idea. I did not know that. <laughs> this movie covers like so many different aspects of things where it's like there's a lot of like family in that like actual like, you know, like Carol's Gardner is like interviewing her dad and she was there for like the you see footage of her as a kid like behind the scenes on the various child's play films uh like just like everybody like the the movie is have kind of become about family as they've gone along like like you know the family you create versus the family you're born into i guess but mm -hmm. It's just insane, like, the people that she was able to get for this film, like, not just the folks involved, but, like, sort of other folks, like, from the outside commenting on it, like, John Waters and mm -hmm. Marlon Wayans. Also, 100%, my favorite part of this was, like, hearing Abigail Breslin just, like, very knowledgeably talk about not just horror movies in general, but specifically the Child's Play franchise. It's yeah like, huh i learned something today yeah yeah the the inclusions of the different people were really at first i was like well but why and then i was like no this all does tie together this all works uh i think the reason that abigail breslin is in it is because um uh, kira gardner um worked on the the most recent uh zombie land movie the the double oh, that makes sense like, yeah uh, as like a, a second unit person um, and so that's like how they met. Um, also, crazy fact that I discovered while digging around um, on the Internet is that Tony Gardner is the guy who designed the Daft Punk helmets. Oh, wow. I had no idea. That's cool. And Kira Elise Gardner was in a Daft Punk video when she was seven. Wow. And I asked her about it. Hey, <laughs> what a fun family to be a part of my family right? did cool like stuff when your first concert is going to see daft punk on the alive tour like that beats my doobie brothers answer <laughs> yeah that <laughs> beats my nitty gritty dirt band at a street fair <laughs> well, so the way this as, whole movie is put together is just brilliant yeah so as someone who was not necessarily enthusiastic about child's play did this make you want to watch want to watch the series again or you know did, how did this make you feel about the the franchise i really need to go back and revisit this because i feel like the only one i know well is the original like i'm familiar with the other ones and like i've seen them and i have like a general sort of like i could follow this without being like what you, you know mm -hmm. that, that sort of reaction like i'm familiar with the various resurrections and the all of that but i feel like when you when you look at when you get the entire series like sort of in um miniature presented here and you get like that very basic kind of overview you can see like how it works in terms of being like a spectrum of a show um so now i kind of want to go back and revisit all of these to see like maybe like if watching them with this new perspective will will bring me new appreciation like I've, it's the, it's never anything i've disliked it's just like not like top of my list and mm -hmm. i've got a lot of more appreciation for like what they've been able to do and how they've managed to keep it going without really ever a decrease in quality yeah even when they had a decrease in finances 
the output's still pretty good. You know, you can tell, you know, you have to set it in one place or, you know, you can tell things like that on the budget, but the stories are still good. Something I didn't know until the series came out, um, I just didn't, I never knew and I never wondered, was that Don Mancini is gay. And that, and then when you look back, you can see how he's inserting that kind of into every, without, you know, not overtly, they're not necessarily like gay movies or anything, but you can see that he's inserting these positive LGBTQ images and characters throughout the throughout the franchise in really interesting ways like you know seed of chucky glenn glenda the kind of the first trans representation and and really fairly positive you know obviously he's a little sharp teeth murdery guy girl but <laughs> he they um but you know still accepted by his fan his strange little murder puppet family <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of nice <laughs> yeah like i i appreciated the um the various parts of the the film that sort of like talk about like um the like our our our, our hobbit uh friend who voiced um glenn slash glenda but also brad dorif talking about it and it's just like they've it, it's so weird to see like brad dorif next to his daughter who has had more screen time than he has in yeah like he's in all of the movies but he is just he's on a sound stage and mm -hmm. like it's sort of uh I, I like the sort of contrast in that you have like the director of this documentary you know Kira Gardner is like she's behind the scenes making this thing and her dad's work is in front of this screen with the puppet and all of that. And then on the other side, like Brad and Fiona, it's the exact opposite. So it's like a mm -hmm. nice little inversion um, uh, of everything. And yeah, like it's, it's the, everybody seems super, like there is no shitty behind the scenes stories in this. And I figured like, if she no. a bit, like that would have been brought up, but like, there's nothing. It's r remarkably wholesome for a movie about a, a murder doll. Yeah. Yeah, and they all, you know, they all seem to have this real fondness for Chucky, despite his murder, murderness. And, you know, he feels like part of their family, and they all feel like a big family. It's just so wholesome for, you know, a documentary about a horror movie. Yeah, I found it just so delightful. And I'm I'm really glad that, like, this is getting good distribution i feel like screenbox is starting to become this home for like really good like sort of franchise documentaries um or even not franchise but like these really great deep dives on various horror movies so it's kind of a, like a perfect place to end up mm -hmm. for sure and you know we already mentioned how we don't want to get more streamers but screenbox seems up there with Sh i haven't gotten it yet i think you have but it seems up there with shutter is like if you're a horror fan must have it's and also like seriously if you have shutter you can afford screen screenbox like for a year i think i paid 26 dollars. like it's 100 percent worth it um and all like especially like if you want like some really fun documentaries um as well as like they've got a really good collection of like uh bollywood uh horror on there right now and i mean like that's worth the money rather than having to track that shit down 
Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't aware this is going to turn into an ad for Screenbox, but um, yeah, no, like it you you if you like horror movie documentaries you're really gonna want to see living with chucky like i just feel like it mm-hmm. certainly gave like it it seems that it gave me as like a you know casual fan a newfound appreciation for it and even you as a longtime fan really liked it mm-hmm. yeah and it it really strikes a balance between just the logistics of how to how did these get made? How did they come together as well as the relationships of the people? It's a, a good balance of both, depending on what you look for in a documentary. And a lot of really great behind the scenes footage too, like vintage mm-hmm. stuff. Like I'm a sucker for seeing like weird grainy VHS of like animatronic puppets because it makes it seem yeah. much creepier. Yeah. And that, it had these little interludes of like, not the real making of Chucky, but like a a Chucky doll being made. And I really liked those. Like, <laughs> you know, from from like there was a knitting machine knitting the cloth for his little sweater and then sewing it together. Like I that really I liked that. I was I was I was actually I, I'm glad you brought that up because I had totally forgotten and that was definitely a thing while I was watching it. I was like, oh, this is this is ju- purely for Julie. Yeah. Once they like screen printed his little overall fabric, I was like, "What's happening? I love this. I want to do that." I know. I'm like little Chucky clothes. That means there's a screen that exists somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) So hey, is that laying around anywhere? And would it be possible just to get that on, just like, just like screened on the back of like a like a button up shirt that I could wear places to freak people out? Yeah, or just like a piece of fabric I can use as the back patch on my denim jacket or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're connected, let us know. Yes, for sure. <laughs> I'm already thinking about how can I knit myself a, a semi-accurate Chucky sweater. I'm not sure my skills and patience are there, but I'm thinking about it. I'm just surprised you can't buy one at like a Spirit Halloween the same way that you can buy a Freddy Krueger sweater. Yeah, I don't think I... I've seen, like, I've seen they have the costumes, but those are like that. It's not, you couldn't just wear it around mm-hmm. to see who notices, I don't think. That's what my wife does with the Freddy Krueger sweater. Nice. Nice. All right. What is there? You didn't write anything on the document, but is there anything else that you would recommend that people watch? I would recommend, like, if you're on uh, Screenbox to check out, um, they have a couple of really great documentaries that, like, as I mentioned, the one that I would bring up is Unearthed and Untold, The Path to Pet Cemetery, um, which has been around for a while. But it is it is an excellent uh, thing that sort of examines the Stephen King novel, the film itself, like the the road from the book to it, as well as like some of like the various uh, changes that have taken place that took place uh, in the making of the film. And like, um, it's really superb and um, will definitely give you like it's got some really good behind the uh, like some vintage, like contemporaneous interviews with uh, Fred Gwynn that really make it worth watching as well. But um, yeah, it'll uh, it'll kind of it, it's kind of beautiful honestly but that's my recommendation nice for you i went a different route because i feel like a lot of people haven't seen curse of chucky and cult of chucky and those are the the newest ones in the movie franchise and you know i think they're just a real return like the first two it's always camp because it's chucky right it's always camp it's always a little bit silly but the first two leaned more serious and then bride and seed 
went full camp, full camp. But Curse and Colt bring it back to this is actually scary. Like this could actually be really scary if this was happening. And, you know, what do you do? All of a sudden a doll is trying to kill you. That's terrifying. So I I just think those stories, if 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 you like me, when it came out, watched Seed and were like, okay, that's too much. <laughs> Come back to it and check out those two because I think you'll be surprised how much you might like them. Yep. Uh, the every time I have talked about child's play with anybody, we keep coming back to that scene from the first movie where it's like for the vast for the first half of that film, like you don't know whether she's going crazy, Andy's making stuff up, or there actually is a killer doll. And it's when she threatens to throw him in the fireplace and he comes to life for the first time, like very like on screen. That mm-hmm. still is just like because it it goes from just like a smiling doll to like all of a sudden just Brad Dorf just like stream of profanity uh and threats. Yeah. Iconic. Completely iconic. So if you watch it, tell us what you think. Tell us tell us how you live with Chucky. And you know, if he's if you like him, if you hate him, let us know. for i'll be right back where we talk about what we've got going on in the next couple weeks horror related julie what do you have i just have the one big thing which is panic fest is coming um that will fall on the weekend that we usually record so when we do get to record i'll be fresh off of that and full of recommendations i'm sure Uh, i'm really excited about it the lineup is really amazing this year there's going to be non-stop hard choices because so much is playing in person only one time only up against each other and i don't know what to do already i'm already not looking forward to i have my spreadsheet started i will soon be getting together with my bestie with a highlighter and a printout and trying to decide how our weekend is going to go and that's kind of the most fun part and then uh, yeah i'm excited how about you what do you got coming up um i really don't like have a, a whole lot um like I've got movies and books and things laying around, but like honestly, my plan for Panic Fest is to like I did not ask for any time off of work, nor did I buy a pass at all. So I'm just waiting to see like when I'm free during the you know 13th through the 23rd, and just when I've got some free you know nights or whatever, like I'm just gonna drive out and see a few movies or maybe podcast, and we'll just. It's very much a play it by ear situation, which I think is kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. And we'll get to see each other in person, which doesn't happen that often. I know. Uh, But if you do happen to see either of us out and about at Panic Fest, we've got stickers. Um, And if you email us at carnagereportpod at gmail.com, we'll also send you one. Um, just send us your, uh, we'll send you an address and you can send a self-addressed stamped envelope. And when we get it, we'll slap a sticker in it and send it back to you. Something exciting that we will have going, hopefully, if nothing goes wrong for Panic Fest, we'll have buttons. 
I have next weekend planned to have a little button brunch with my buddies. And we'll have Carnage Report buttons. If you see me at Panic Fest, I intend to have some. I intend to take a bunch of them to Nick. So if you see him out and about, we will be able to distribute buttons for your rocker jacket or your backpack or whatever. Whatever person puts a button on these days. Yep. It'll be fun going around and just like my goal is to just trade people buttons for buttons. Yes. Uh, Thanks for listening to the Carnage Report. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Report Carnage, and we can be reached via email at carnagereportpod at gmail.com if you'd like to make any suggestions for upcoming episodes or just share your thoughts. All of the music featured in this episode is by Steve Spacek, and you can find him on Instagram at Starling Woodworks and at nodder.bandcamp.com. Nick, where can they find you online? I am on the Twitter at NuthousePunks. I am on Instagram at NicklausMouse. You can find my writing at The Pitch and Starburst Magazine and various other publications in and around town. Where can they find you, Julie? I am Dark Humor Girl. Everywhere you're looking, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram are your best bets. And you can find my writing at ModernHorrors.com and DownrightCreepy.com, which is where you will find my Panic Fest coverage should you want to see it. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, We will be back next episode with another roundup of the latest news in horror when we talk about Renfield, directed by Chris McKay. What's it all about? It is, well, first of all, you can find it in theaters April 14th, and in this modern monster tale, Dracula's loyal servant, Nicholas, played by Nicholas Holt, and sorry, I I read this all wrong. Nicholas Holt stars as Renfield. (laughs) I tried to fix it in my head and it was never wrong to begin with. The tortured aide to history's most narcissistic boss, Dracula, played by Nicolas Cage. Renfield is forced to procure his master's prey and do his every bidding, no matter how debased. But now, after centuries of servitude, Renfield is ready to see if there's a life outside the shadow of the Prince of Darkness. If only he can figure out how to end his codependency. We'll have all of that and more when we talk to you next. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.